First Day Hikes is a fantastic initiative that uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department really promoted heavily this year. It was good to see how many events they had. If you wanted to see what the events were, you can check out the full list on the Texas Trailhead website. And um, yeah, it was great. I, I felt like watching the people post about it was really exciting. I think 23 is going to be just a kind of rejuvenation year. People are getting back out. Not to say people weren't out in droves over the last couple of years, but I think some of the other stresses that have been happening are just falling behind a little bit. We're starting to push through that outer layer of just the, the stresses that have been going on. And, and first day hike is a great way to start the new year fresh, get out on the trails, get some fresh air, have some just fun with friends and family. Um, last year in 2022, we went to Enchanted Rock. It was great. Um, and then this year for 23, we went down to the Texas coast First, we wanted to go because it was New Year's and I really wanted to take the family and go look at some fireworks on the beach. I thought that would be really fun. Cool little backdrop, you know, fireworks over the night sky, sounds of the waves crashing into the shore. Uh, so we went down there and then because we were in Port Aransas, decided, well, why don't we go ahead and do our first day hike at Mustang Island State Park? It's a state park I've been to numerous times. Family and I have been there a handful of times. It's one of uh, my favorite places on the coast to visit. You've got Mustang Island. You've got Goose Island uh, just up the road. And then further up north, you have um, Galveston Island State Park. So those are some of the kind of the top things. But there's plenty of other recreational areas near the coast as well. And Port Aransas actually has some really cool kind of wildlife birding areas and then some other nature trails in town as well. And then on the other side, on the south side, you kind of go down past Corpus Christi, and that's where you'll get to Pins or Padre Island National Seashore. So plenty to see and do. Um, if you don't want to be out on a boat, you can just kind of walk around, and that was kind of the plan. But first, fireworks. So we got down there. We had an idea of where we wanted to be, and... Um, we kind of when we got into town, we went at the at the northernmost part. Right after you get on off the ferry, you kind of just take that road and go all the way down to the beach access, and then there's kind of the edge of that part of Port Aransas. And I said, okay, well, let's let's do this. We'll come back. We'll drive up the road a little bit and um, park. And um, because it was thirty first, um, the beach the beach permit that you can buy it's like twelve dollars all the gas stations in town have it and that's technically what you need when you park but um, because it was the last day of the year the 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 parking pass the bark parking permit is uh, a full calendar year so if you if you buy it in february you get to use that same pass all the way to december um, but if you buy it in like october or november you're paying the same amount to only use it to the rest of the year cool um so they they weren't really it wouldn't make any sense to get one for 2022 with one day left and 23 wasn't quite available for sale but at the gas station the person told me that they weren't ticketing for the first 10 days of the new year anyway so having the beach pass wasn't really a big a big deal so we drove down the beach and kind of just pulled off and surprisingly 
the reason why we went, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, but the reason why we decided to go to the beach also was the weather was looking like it, we had gotten really cold and then it looked like it was going to start to warm up a little bit. So we went to the beach after I saw that it wasn't going to rain. I was watching the weather for a little bit and then I saw that the weekend was clearing up. So I went ahead and just pushed the, the, the button on uh, getting a room for for the night down at the coast and it, it it was like 60 degrees 70 degrees it was it was pretty nice and it wasn't raining and so we got down there everything was fine and then we played around on the beach a little bit the skies were kind of gray it wasn't like super sunshiny and the water was definitely a little bit cold but we still got to kind of play on the sand and so that was fun we had lunch and then had dinner. And then, so we went back to that original part of the beach and uh, the, the, all of the things that we saw said that the, the fireworks would start around seven o'clock. So we got our seating area situated. We busted out the Ignic fire can. You learned about that in a recent episode, just to kind of keep us warm and give us a little bit of light. And then, you know, we're sitting, we're sitting exactly where the fireworks are going to be. And they start popping off. And it was just a lovely sight. You know, like I was saying, you have the the water kind of just that shore white noise off in the distance. And we're watching the fireworks. And like three minutes into it, all of a sudden, this haze sweeps over the island, blocking the entire view of any fireworks off in the distance. This fog came in like you wouldn't believe and cars are like people are getting into their cars and taking off trying to get closer to the park to get a better view. But you really couldn't see anything. And, you know, we got to see a little bit. You could hear it off in the distance and we made the best of it, but not ideal, not the end of the world. The ambiance was great. So we kind of just hung out and enjoyed each other's company a little bit longer um, but leaving was, man, we weren't that far from um, the motel we were staying at. It wasn't that far from where we were parked, but maybe two miles. But those two miles, like you couldn't see anything. And it was a little a little stressful just kind of paying attention to where you were going. Because my window, my, my windshield had um, fogged up too. So I was waiting for that to kind of clear out. And so driving back was 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 not was not fun. And we're like, okay, no big deal. Let's go back to the room and we'll watch the festivities uh, on TV. So we woke up the next day and the fog hadn't cleared yet. It was really humid. Everything was kind of just damp. And um, originally the plan was to get to the park for the ranger led hike that was going to happen at eight in the morning. Um, because of the weather, we just decided, you know what, let's just enjoy the morning get up, enjoy some breakfast that was provided at the uh, Best Western down there in Port Aransas, not sponsored, just happens to be where I stayed. And so we just kind of took our time, got everything ready and packed and uh, made our way to Mustang Island. Um, not super far from Port Aransas, just kind of south of the um, main part of town. And so you're just driving on the road and then you get to the entrance eventually. So Mustang Island is pretty much divided by that road in two parts. You have the coastal side, which is your main part of the park, and then you have the bay side, which is where the paddling trails are going to be 
Um, this isn't a full breakdown of the park. If you do want a full recap, head to the Texas Trailhead website. And uh, I have a post about the first time I went down there. It's kind of a coastal um, trifecta of parks with uh, Mustang Island, Goose Island, and then actually not on the beach itself, but Lake Corpus Christi State Park is where we started that trip. Uh, the first time we went down there in 2020, um, it, it was the store that I worked at had just closed for the pandemic and I just wanted to get out of town. So me and my daughter went down there and explored some of those places for the first time. So the the full recap of those parks will be on the website. So anyways, so we get to the park. I had already um, prepaid with the reservation and the ranger at the entrance um, it's just like a little booth, and uh, she informed us that the visitor center was reopened, so that was exciting. I was happy that that was open because the few times that we have been over the last couple years, uh, it was under, it was being remodeled. Um, it, it suffered some extensive damage from the hurricane in 2017, so it was reopened. So I was excited to check it out. We uh, parked, we went in. The, the visitor center is separate, but it is close to the entrance. It's not like some state parks where you kind of drive in to get your admission and, and pay there, but the, the gift shop and other parts are kind of separate. This one is pretty close to um, the front. And so we just kind of pulled off and it is a two-story building has stairs, but then there's the ramp that's at the parking lot. So we went up the ramp and, you know, I'm excited to check out this building because I haven't actually seen the inside. It was closed this whole time. And I was thinking there's going to be some fun, just multimedia, interactive things about the park and learn a little bit more about the area. And we opened the door and it was just like a small little room and there was a, a ranger behind the desk and she was kind of sitting looking at a computer and there wasn't a whole lot of trinkets and souvenirs. There was uh, some new pins and some new stickers. And then they had kind of a separate section that was showcasing all of the, uh, the 100th anniversary Texas parks um, items that have come out. Um, they had their scratch off state park items. They had the new, 100th anniversary uh, pins and patches they had my texas park passport oh so sorry they had their own texas park passport that they created after mine um and then just some beach kind of souvenirs and some soft drinks etc but not a whole lot in there so i went ahead and just got the new pin and a new sticker and kind of made our way back to the car not really anything in there that was pertaining to the park or history of the park itself just really a kind of a, a a room um that had that those items in it so made our way back to the beach so on the beach side proper you're gonna have a rv section you're gonna have the main restrooms and then you're gonna have the day use parking area and then to the left of that, you're going to have a way to get towards the jetty. And then to the right, you're going to have the way to get onto the beach for the primitive view site. So there is camping here. It is primitive on the beach. You just have like a little kind of wooden picnic area that you can pull your car up to and 
bust out your tent or sleep in your car or however, however you like to camp in those situations. And when we were checking in, there was a sign that was talking about four by four vehicles only. And the ranger informed me that they were not letting four by fours get onto the beach because the sand was really soft. And I felt that I should, um, pay attention to that and not break any of the rules. So we just parked in the parking lot. Um, the issue was, <laughs> is they had a barricade to where the um, jetties were and I'm skipping ahead just a little bit, but I had gone down there and there was like a handful of different SUVs and trucks that just kind of went around the barricade and no one, no one really seemed to mind. We did drive onto the primitive area just to kind of check it out. Nobody was camping from, from the distance that you could see with all the fog, but the sand was definitely soft in the entrance to the primitive section, but it looked like it kind of tightened up a little bit. That's the thing with the Port Aransas beaches is you are allowed to drive on the beach and a lot of that beach is pretty compact, but there are definitely sections that get soft. So it's important to follow the rules and guidelines. So we went back to the day use area, unloaded our car and, with our chairs and the new Kamek Swiftlet that I'll be talking about a little bit later and uh, just kind of walked down and set up and just kind of enjoyed the afternoon. And so first day hike, not technically, but we were at a state park on the first day of the new year and I walked around, we got to walk around on the beach and just enjoy the environment a little bit. And uh, I got to do some fishing. So Definitely check out the information about first day hikes on the website. There was some cool stuff to do, and it's just really a, a fun initiative and really just an excuse to get out to a state park. But I hope everyone's having a great start to the year. And um, yeah, stay tuned for the next part of the podcast. Because of its biodiversity and mild climate, the southern portion of Texas otherwise known as the Rio Grande Valley, is a birding destination known around the world. Nine parks in total make up the World Birding Center, and three of those are Texas State Parks. Those include Benson Rio Grande Valley, Estero Llano State Park, and Resaca de la Palma State Park. This trip will take you from Mission, Texas, east to Brownsville, and while each of these parks serve similar purposes, you'll find that each offer a unique outdoor experience to hike, bike, and bird. This is also not a deep dive on any of these locations, so be sure to check out the full recaps on all of the places on the Texas Trailhead website. Because Benson State Park is the headquarters for the World Birding Center, you'll enjoy an amazing visitor center and cafe where you can find fun souvenirs, including small gifts, books about birds, and the history of the area. Stay a little longer and enjoy a nice lunch in the cafe. The plant life just outside of the center is set up for those flying visitors, so take your time to walk around the corridor before making your way into the Bird Information Center. In here, you can see a fun exhibit, some artwork, and even short videos on the birds and other wildlife you can expect to find in the park. The state park itself is almost 800 acres of land used to preserve wildlife habitats. And in conjunction with the other parks, they help restore the area to its original habitats to continue strong migration patterns. 
Benson State Park has a tram system that will take you to multiple stops around the park, but the park itself is fairly walkable. To maintain the sensitive wildlife, no vehicles are allowed through the main parts of any of these state parks. After crossing into the main part of the park entrance, you'll see La Familia Nature Center. And just beyond that, you'll have your option of places you can go explore. Definitely recommend checking out the Hawk Tower for some great views above the trees. The trails here are mostly flat, and there are plenty of areas to sit and watch the feeders attract birds and other wildlife. Be on the lookout for wild turkeys! This park is the one exception to the camping as there is a small primitive camping area you can reserve for $15 per night. Head over to Westlaco to visit Estero Llano State Park and the top park of the three you're learning about. After walking through a shaded pathway to the visitor center, you're immediately greeted by Ibis Pond and surely plenty of waterfowl splashing around. The water views here are what separates this park from the other two and there is no shortage of bird opportunities because of it. The trails go from dirt paths to wooden boardwalks as you make your way throughout the park. Make sure you check out Alligator Lake for some herons and floating gators. There are plenty of bird blinds in this park if you prefer to sit and watch the wildlife fly by. But hike around and explore four points of interest including Alligator Lake. Besides a bird blind and the Green Jade Trail, hike over to the Llano Grande Lake. Two miles of waterfront are sure to give you some amazing views of migrating birds. The 1.16 mile Waders Trail is the longest in the park, so you can definitely make a full day out of this visit by connecting all of the trails together and enjoy all parts of the park. On a recent visit, there were plenty of bird species, including the roseate spoonbill in all of its pinkish glory, splashing around with black-bellied whistling ducks and snowy egrets. Quite a sight to see all of the species enjoying the same marshy habitats. The last stop in Brownsville will bring you to Resaca de la Palma State Park. Resacas are what oxbow lakes are called in South Texas channels that split from the river that flood over and hold water. Because of how controlled the Rio Grande is, the water doesn't flow over its banks into the wetlands as it once did. This park has partnered with Falcon Lake to import water, but water levels aren't producing enough to bring into the park. What was once a lush watery landscape is now dry with only remnants of moisture. Because of this, the wildlife sites have slimmed with the exception of multiple armadillos with their heads buried in the dirt looking for food, at least on this trip. Highly recommend taking the tram tour of the park to enjoy plenty of sights and learn about the importance of the ebony trees that can be found in the park. This land was previously used for ranching and farming, so invasive grasses like guinea grass are abundant and the park works hard to keep it at bay. If you prefer to explore on foot, there are eight miles of trails that take you throughout the landscapes and to the four decks that overlook the Resacas. A quick note, the parking lot area has a nice picnic area that has feeders for a variety of birds. Have a snack and listen to the different bird calls. When you're finished, walk over to the bird viewing areas just next to the visitor center. 
I hope you enjoy learning about these amazing places in South Texas. Find links in the description to learn more about these state parks and the World Birding Center. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page, and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.